Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Guys, keep talking to each other for a second. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How is everyone doing? <clears throat> I'm so excited about this morning. Um, the worship has already confirmed it. And I just, uh, even when Pastor Nick was making some of the announcements, and I'm certainly not going to um, recap all the announcements, but, you know, when we talk about interrupting culture, <clears throat> There's something about, if you can picture, I, I teach a class at Regent that deals with this introduction to the Bible, and we've really changed it around a lot to help introduce a culture to the Bible, not just, um, here's the New Testament, here's the Old Testament, let's study it. But it's more of an introduction to the culture and how the Bible interacts with that. And one of the first things we talk about is, is envisioning our culture, envisioning envisioning. The United States of America, if nothing else, just the United States of America, are the culture. And it's on a cruise liner, and we know it's going in the wrong direction. Isn't it easier to point out how we're going in the wrong direction? I'll let this sink in. I didn't expect a real big response, but isn't it easier to say, hey, we're going in the wrong direction? Be quiet. But we're going in the wrong direction. Be quiet. So, well, Pastor, shouldn't somebody be screaming we're going in the wrong direction? Um, Well, yes and no. Yes, but how you scream we're going in the wrong direction is what matters. Because if you point to the North Star and the ship is going that way, all you have to do is be that crowd that's pointing that way. And people have a tendency to stop what they're doing and wonder what you're pointing at. Just do that. Anytime you're in a big city, just do that. It'll happen. Anytime you go to New York City, just stand there in the middle of the crowded streets and just point at something. You'll be shocked at how many people will stop and start looking around at what you're pointing at. Why? Because you can stop culture long enough to point them to Christ by stop pointing them at stupid and point them to Jesus. Now let that sink in a little bit. But here's how you do it. You have to do it with your life. We are his witnesses. The Holy Spirit has empowered us not to be superheroes. You're not the superhero. Jesus is. You're, you're, I, I know what Vacation Bible School is about, sorry. We all want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Bible tells us you will be filled with power after that the Holy Spirit will come, become, will come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. We are just witnesses, and our lives are witnesses of what Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, has done in us. So I want to talk about, for a few moments this morning, about the importance of becoming, again, knowledgeable and understanding that he restores our souls. Now, why is that important? I'm only going to use this cruise analogy one more time. If all we do are be examples of how broken and bitter and lost we are in the culture. We love Jesus. We're just holding on till he comes. That's like holding on to the metal door of the Titanic, right? You're trying to survive. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. In this culture that may be going down, there, there's opportunities for revival like you've never believed. And God wants to use us. But I just want to remind you, and we're going to read this psalm, and it's going to be very simple this morning, that he restores us. No matter where you are, there's hope. No matter what you're walking through, there's hope. Listen to what the word says. Psalms 23, very familiar passage. You all have heard it many times. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, what is this saying to us very quickly, and then I want us just to hit on that he restores for a few moments. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a pool expert. I've, we've had a pool most everywhere we've ever lived. We've always had some type of pool. And I don't care where we've lived, it, it's just like this thing that I have to work on constantly if I want to have clear water. I mean, I've learned to play with all the chemicals. I've learned how to change out pumps. And what I've discovered is it's a constant. You are constantly working on your pool. But here's what I just learned two weeks ago. Learned something new. You know, when you don't read the directions, you learn something new about every year, Right? But here's what I learned. When you, when you shock a pool and you put what they call the flock or you put clarifier in and it sinks everything to the bottom, that's never meant to go back to the, that's never meant to go back through the filtration system. That's always meant to go straight to waste. And I found myself for years taking care of business, taking care of dirt, taking care of soot, taking care of things that don't belong in that pool, and I'll even kill it and get it to sink down to the bottom and turn around and put new water in the pool, new chemicals in the pool, only to recirculate that old dirt through the same new water. Rather than putting it to waste before I put the new chemicals in. Now, what am I trying to say in a nice way? I wonder sometimes how we want God to restore us just with new blessings on top of the old dirt. We want God's joy, but we don't, we don't put a lot of stuff to waste. We don't get rid of a lot of stuff. We just want to bless our mess and wonder why the water's not clear. Uh, and, and wonder why we can't get the chemicals just right in the pool and, and all along, it's we've been trying to recycle. We've been trying to keep engaged. Now, this might not be a, a, a story that's working for you, but we've, did, we've been trying to keep engaged all the stuff that we really need to be getting out. And, and that, to a, a certain degree, <clears throat> is why David very lovingly says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the leader. A shepherd is someone who takes care of sheep who always know what they're supposed to do. I'm going to let you sit on that one for a minute because sheep never know what they're supposed to do. Sheep, the, the, uh, you know, besides calling them stupid, are never really able to make the next right move. That's why even in our prayer moment ago, all we like sheep have gone astray. Why? I'm not going to insult you by calling us stupid because we're not. We're created in his image, but sin will blind you. Dirt will blind you to the point where you think, well, that's not a bad thing. I'll just filter it back through, Lord bless me. No. I, I need it to make sense this morning. And we want God to keep blessing the mess. And David says, you need a shepherd. And the Lord is my shepherd. And when I really follow after him, that's when I'm not in want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Why? Because, again, sheep need to be made to do things. He makes them to lie down. In other words, there's times in our lives where he says, this is where you need to rest for a little while. But, Lord, I don't, I don't want to rest. I know that's why I'm your shepherd. I'm making you rest right now. But Lord, the timing, we got to move when the, when the iron is hot. No, you're going to get burned with this iron 
So I'm making you lay down in green pastures. He doesn't lay you down in the desert. He lays you down where you can be uh, receive nutrients. He lays you down where you can receive healing or that time of rest. And see, I'm saying all this because before we get to restoration, sometimes, again, we just want things to be restored where, can I just be honest? Really what some of us need is rest. He wants to make us rest. He leads us beside the still waters to quench our thirst. I believe we live in a distracted age. Does this make sense? I believe we live in a distracted age where we say so distracted that we think moving and activity is, is what's necessary. But listen, <clears throat> it keeps you distracted from, from being what God has called you to be. I face the same thing, too. I, I face all the challenges that you face of staying active, staying current. You, know, you want to stay, you you stay where you are, have impact, and you're effective in the culture, uh, especially with technology. And, you know, once you start getting a little age on you and you don't know all the technology that's going around, it's, first of all, it's okay to use younger generations and you just let them do it. But you at least need to be able to stay on top of the lingo. Okay? Everyone knows what lingo is, right? So you, you need to know what a Facebook is. I'm just kidding. All right? You, you need to be able to know um, how people can use those things. That's great. But if you get so wound up and so distracted by every little breath and every little wind that takes place in our culture, and you're not following the shepherd. It's not because you constantly need be, to be restored because you're doing great things for God. It's you need to be restored because you say so distracted that he's just trying to get you to rest. He's just trying to get, he just wants to quench your thirst with the right things. And can I get an amen? It's hard to slow down. It's hard to slow down and just do the simple things, the right things. Because if we're not busy, we look lazy. But he restores, the Bible says, he restores our souls by this. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I'm just going to stop here and talk about what it is he wants to restore in us. Because wherever you are in him, I promise you, he can restore that. Now, for some of us, <laughs> if we think about David and where he was in his life, David had already seen a lot of great difficulties in his life. We knew that David knew what it was like to feel betrayal. David knew what it was like to be at the top of his game. He had killed a giant. He was, he was starting to rub elbows with King Saul, and he was with the elite of Israel, and King Saul decided, I don't like this. I'm hearing better things about him than about me. I want to get rid of him. And who he thought was on his side cast a javelin at him to kill him. And then he lived on the run for the rest of Saul's life. David knew what it was like to feel betrayed. And sometimes if we feel betrayed, we can live a lot of our life just trying to figure out how to get back at them. Rather than how do we move forward in him. So David knew that pain. This was not like some nice little story or nice little uh, psalm that David was writing about. David really knew what it was like to get stabbed in the back by someone he trusted. David knew what it was like to be a sinner. Now, that's a word we don't like to talk about. But the reason David even says, writes other psalms like, cleanse me, O God. Purge me with hyssop. Search my heart. See if there's any wickedness in me. Why? Because there's, there's not been a point in history that things stopped being wicked. There's not been a point in history that things stopped being sin. It's just that the, the longer you're on this cruise line, so to speak, 
you start picking up this idea, well, that's okay, and, and that's okay, and, and this is okay. Listen, if the whole world says it's okay, but God says it's not, it's not. It's as simple as that. I mean, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but, you know, this word, it, the law's not here to hold you back. God has sent his son Jesus Christ to make you his righteousness and clothe you in his righteousness, forgive you of your sins, not that you can follow the law because you're perfect, but that just, just walking this out in his righteousness, life becomes so much more incredibly beneficial and glorious and powerful because our life here is just the beginning, guys. So, so David knew what it was like. I mean, think about it. David knew what it was like not just to be tempted but to give in. Not just to give in, but then cover up. So he has an affair with one of his lead soldier's wives. She becomes pregnant. And the way he covers it up is he tries to bring this man back to at least have relations with his wife so he doesn't get caught and then life can go on as usual. The problem is this man's loyal. The problem is this man's righteous. The problem is this man, I'm not going to come home and enjoy family if my men can't come home and enjoy family. I, I am not. I'm, I'm, I'm here to fight. I'm here to serve. Oh, king, thank you for the opportunity, but not today. Oh, man, now what am I going to do, David says. We'll send him back and put him in the most difficult part of the battle where he knows he'll die. Because now he dies in battle. And you know the story. <clears throat> the prophet brings David in and tells him this horrific story of, listen, there's this guy. He's got one little sheep, one little lamb. And the master, the king, comes in and says, I want, I want that lamb. I've got all this over here, but I want that one. And David says, bring him in. That man needs to be dealt with. You're the guy. See, not only did David understand sin, he knew what it was like to look into the mirror and see the realities of that's who I am. Can I just, can I just be brutally honest with us this morning? When's the last time you looked in the mirror and embraced who you really were? Now listen, not I don't mean with the culture that we live in, Okay, because see, the culture we live in says, you know, you're never going to be perfect. Just embrace who you are. They don't even know who they are. What's the realities of who you are? Are you a sinner or not? And we'll get to salvation in a moment. But unless you embrace the fact that you are a sinner, you don't believe you need to be saved from anything. If you don't embrace the fact that you have sin in your life, now this is about restoration, I know, but David knew what it was like. He wasn't playing games. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he needed to be saved. He knew he needed to be restored. I'm saying that in the culture we live in right now, I'm not talking about those who don't know the Lord. I'm talking about us. Have we embraced that we really do need a Savior? Because, see, you'll never really pray, restore me, God, if you think you're fine. You'll never pray, Lord, send new rain when the dirt in the bottom of your pool is not going to be rain. It's fine. It'll blend in. People will get used to swimming in muddy water. It's fine. It'll be a little cloudy, but they'll never see it. And I'm not trying to be silly, but David knew. David knew, listen, David knew what it was like in his lifetime to go through traumatic events, certainly battle, and see people die all around him. He knew that that was very real. Now, to put it in terms for us to understand, um, I don't know that David, the Bible never tells us that David went through a worldwide pandemic. But you and I have just walked through something. Listen, 
of biblical proportions, a worldwide pandemic that still with the media and others, and it could be debated on all sides, you know, is still at work and still has high potential for impacting a great deal of America and the world still. But the reality is, you and I have been through something where we've been able to see a lot of lives lost, a lot of lives impact. Depression rates are the highest they've ever been. People are struggling with identities. People are struggling with the future. People don't know how to make ends meet. They're not sure how to make things work. And David's been there. David, even in battle, knew what it was like to go defeat the enemy, but to come back and another enemy had taken everything they owned. Women, children, everything. Listen, there's times in our lives that we're going to go through episodes and times where things just don't make sense, and it brings you to your knees, and you know things have to change. When you know things have to change, it's not going to be because of what you can do. See, when things can change that easily, you'd have already changed them. If things can change so easily that you could change them, really God's response is, well, why don't you? Now, you know, back to a very weak pool analogy very quickly. That fix was easy. John, don't do it anymore. Before you put fresh water in, don't put fresh water. Don't put, and see, I don't, use, I don't use well water. I use the good stuff. City water. <laughs> right? Because well water has all minerals, and I, it's, it's possible to get all the well water stuff out. I learned that too. The pool just turns brown. Here's, here's what I do know. If I keep putting well water, um, if I keep putting uh, city water that costs me something, on top of that same old dirt, now I'm just spending resources on top of dirt that'll never work. I wonder how many of us are spending our lives on something that will never work. So it, in my pool analogy, it's been simple. Kill it. Throw it to waste. Pump it out in the yard. I mean, I just do it. I pump it out all the time. I enjoy pumping out the I just see it go, and it never comes back. Why? Because it's out of the system. It's out of the system. Then I shut it down. I put the filtrate system down. And, you know, I could preach on filtrate systems all, all morning because there's a lot of stuff that we just have to get filters clean so we can start filtering through stuff, and life just doesn't stick to us. And when the stuff does stick to us, we backwash. Okay? You're going to be professional pool cleaners here before the day's over. So what is this all about? He restores my soul. See, I know for a fact that there's a lot of us in here today that, that we're dealing with sin or we're dealing with brokenness that, that we've asked God to keep blessing, but we've just allowed stuff to stay there, the residual of sin. And we've just not been willing to say, get rid of it. This isn't about, man, if you were really disciplined, you wouldn't have that problem. No, we're always, we always need to be working on our discipline. That's why right, at, right after the word there says, he restores my soul, he leads me down paths of righteousness for his namesake. The whole point of leading us down paths of righteousness is when you give your life to him, he wants you to walk down paths that are continually making you right. Now, we, we sort of know that in our common theology as sanctification. There's a progressive work of sanctification, even in John 17, when he says, and Lord, purify them, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. What does that mean? That when I'm living by his word, <laughs> after I've said, Lord, restore me, Lord, save me, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, heal me from that relationship issue. Lord, do this work in my life. And he leads me down paths of righteousness. He sanctifies me. He sets me apart according to his word. His word is truth. What does that mean? It means I start living by his word, and I see something in the word, and I'm like, man, I've never lived that way before. I never thought that was a big deal, but I'm going to live that way. Because now there's something convicting about it. Now there's something that I'm like, you know what? 
I, I need to live this way. And it's not because you're becoming that weird Christian. You're becoming righteous. There, there's a growth, there's a maturity taking place in your life. There, there's, there's, a, there's a sanctification that for some is immediate, but believe me, I, I used to be a part of a movement that, that thought, your sanctification is right now. It's all happened right now. I didn't see it. Because I believe our salvation is secure. But my sanctification, it would be like expecting a two-year-old to run a 100-yard dash and win. Only if they're a racing infant. But that's not called maturity. That's called hanging around people who aren't where you are yet so you can look good. Um, I'm not going to tell you what my dad used to call it. But if you always want to look good, just hang around the worst. Hello? If, if you want to be the fastest in the crowd, hang around the slowest around. You don't have to work for it. You just have to run. And if half of them don't know how to run, you're going to win. But who cares? What maturity calls for is that we all are moving forward and growing in him. It's not even a competition. Uh, Diane and I were doing a great uh, devotional this last week. And the gentleman was talking about how that when he was younger, he would go out with all of his friends. And what they would do is, is try to find the, 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 the daredevil things to do. Because they were always, you know, they didn't do anything that was fun that weekend if something, somebody didn't almost die. All right. Anybody have a, a childhood like that? Thank God I'm alive, right? But they would go to, to like these lakes that had cliffs, and they would all challenge each other to jump off the cliffs or something like that. And there was always one person who was like really afraid of heights. And they would sort of like, you know, slip off to the side and maybe, you know, when no one was looking, go down a few feet, and maybe jump off, hurry up and jump off of a, a lower level. They would all end up in the water, but they would still make fun of this guy for either jumping from a lower level, or not even jumping at all, just crawling all the way back down, right? Can anybody relate? Okay. <laughs> so, here's what he said. We can't compare ourselves to each other. Because God's not comparing, God's not, God's not looking down and saying, who's going to jump off the highest cliff? God wants us in the water. So at the end of the day, your maturity is not about who came the furthest or who came the fastest. It's that we all get there. Um, if there's a race to heaven, we're already behind. All right? So it's not, it's not about a race. It's not about a competition. It's not about did you jump higher or, did you, or you didn't jump high enough or you didn't jump. From, it's not about that. It's are we all willing to go where God is calling us to go? In that path of righteousness, listen, here's what it's going to feel like. You ready? And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We always read that at the funeral as if the shadow of death is the funeral, is the passing. Now, that fits wonderfully, but listen to what it's saying. When you start walking this out, don't expect peace. When you start walking this out, please, please don't expect. When you start standing on the cruise of life pointing at the North Star, don't expect everybody to applaud you. Don't expect everybody to jump off and say, man, thank you so much for straightening out America. That's not how it's going to happen, guys. The only way it's going to happen, though, is if we do point to Jesus. And that will cause us to walk through some difficult valleys. Some of us are walking through valleys right now. B because we're pointing to Christ or because we still got the filtration system not really working. But we're walking through valleys. Your valley doesn't get clean because you decide, okay, you know, I'll do better. No, it's, it's a surrendering to Christ and following after his word. And we do or we don't. I can honestly tell you, you can keep praying for restoration and you can keep wanting God to bless stuff.
But if you keep expecting God to bless a mess that's not obedient to him, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. On the other hand, and this, I love this part of this passage. <clears throat> he is with us always. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. That rod and that staff is that discipline along that road of righteousness. Why? Because the rod and the staff directs you and disciplines you. Now, I know we live in a world where we don't want anybody to get hurt. This is not about um, desiring people to have pain. But there's one thing I've learned about people. They learn best with pain. You know, we, don't want our, we, don't, we don't want our children to ever experience pain. We want to surround them with a, a, a bubble of life that they never experience pain. But God knows that his children will only really learn when he, he says, okay, if you want to do it your way, do it your way. And then that pain kicks in, and we realize, God, I, I thought you loved me. Oh, I do. I'm just, I'm letting you do what you want to do. But Lord, I, I want you to bless what I'm doing, and I won't have pain. That's not what I've asked you to do. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Because I, I know full well I was having this great conversation with, a, with someone yesterday. Children do not, children are not born knowing everything to do correctly. They're not. Well, if we let children, they, it's just, it's an eight. What's an eight is they're going to say, their first word is no. That's what's an eight. You want the first word to be mama and dada, and right along there, there's going to be a no. Because they want it their way. From day one, they're used to getting it their way anyway. I'm hungry. And they get it their way. I need something changed. And they get it their way. So from day one, just setting you up, sorry. Beautiful couple getting ready to have a baby here in a few weeks. God bless them. So from day one, listen, I'm talking about all of us, by the way. From day one, we've been used to getting it our way. And the reality is, are you ready? Some of us are still babies. And we just want to say, wah, and get it our way. And God is saying, well, this time you get to lay in it. Because that's not how it works. You're too big for me to change your diaper. You're, you're a little bit too, but when you're old enough to walk to the refrigerator and cook your own meal, you can't lay on the couch and say, wah, John. Now, my wife would argue with that. <laughs> she would say that I... Still try to attempt that, but I want to emphasize the word attempt there. But listen, we're, we're, we're all guilty of this, amen? But, but here's the beautiful thing. God is patient. Here's what I've learned about babies, too. And the doctors will tell you to do this. Parents have a hard time with this because we, wanna, we, wanna, we don't want our babies to suffer. So as soon as little Johnny, we're there. And the doctors are like, and, we, and we're wondering, well, he, does, he, he, won't, he, he wants his bottle. He won't drink anything else but the bottle. He doesn't want real food. And the doctors will tell you, don't give him a bottle. But he'll go hungry. No, he won't. No. You just put that food, and every time that little baby goes, I don't want that. Because they'll be able to verbalize it. That's how far we go. I only like this. Okay, we'll only like this, too. Because this is all you're getting. That's, that's child abuse. In this culture, that's called discipline. That's called, because what child knows what vegetables are, are good for it? Am I, am I rambling? You know, so God looks at us as his sheep, as his children. David says we are the sheep of his pasture, which means we always know what to eat, which means we all not. Here's what David is saying, that even when you walk through tough times, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I can't take this anymore. Whether it's something I brought on, whether it's something the world's brought on, it doesn't matter. He's saying, I'm with you. My rod and my staff, they pull you in for safety, or they know how to discipline you. They know how to defend you. Why? 
Because really, when you start walking this out, I'm preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Whoa, wait a minute now. I thought when I became a Christian, everything was smooth sailing. No, I want you to picture this, guys. (laughs) I want you to embrace this. In the middle of this culture, he's putting you right in the middle of it. And he's wanting you to be the ones who point people to Christ with your lives. And he's saying, I'm preparing a table before you right in the middle of this culture. Right in the middle of a culture that wants to tell you to be quiet. Right in the middle of a culture that wants to tell you disappear. Right in the middle of a culture that will try to help you disappear. In the presence of your enemies. And I'm not trying to make it about us and them. I'm trying to make it about Christ in the middle of it. I'm preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies, but even in the presence of your enemies, your cup will run over. Your life will be a life of blessings. Why? Because even though you're walking through valleys and even though you're walking through and you look different and and becoming righteous is not an easy thing because you're having to discipline yourself, discipline your lifestyles. God's doing a work in you and it's not fun. It's not easy. But even in the midst of all that, everything you do is a blessing and it's running over and touching you and all those around you. (laughs) He says, my cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is the house of the Lord? His presence. When you're going to dwell in his presence forever, it's not just here. It's ever. It's after here. It's heaven. It's wherever he is. You you must understand that restoring you this morning is not about making life more difficult. It's about making you clean through Jesus Christ and powerful through the working of his Holy Spirit to be a light to shine wherever you go. So I just want to ask you this morning, and I want the praise team to come in just a moment, and I I want them to sing (coughs) that first song, Lion of Judah. Um, Because that's exactly who we're talking about. I know we've been talking about the shepherd this morning, But your shepherd is the Lion of Judah. And see, whatever you need to be restored, it may be, listen, please hear me. If if you're going through issues in your life and things have just seemed turned upside down, I know it seems very obvious that we would be praying, Lord, please help me. Restore my soul. Restore my family. Restore. But can I ask you another question? Before we pray, what would it look like for him to say, What do we need to put to waste? What is it that you're wanting me to restore that really needs to be put to waste? We we, we think we've killed it, but see, you can kill something and it never still be out of the system. Or what what would it be, John, for me to show you things in your life that just need to stop? And when you start walking down roads of righteousness, those roads don't take you there anymore. And the discipline and the righteousness that comes with that walk only matures you. It it, it doesn't even matter. God's not looking. He's not taking. I don't believe. I know we do this in our own selves. But I don't believe God's standing back and saying, okay, I want to see who the greatest soul winners are. Because when they get to heaven, we're going to have a reward ceremony. Listen, there is going to be a reward ceremony. Because there are, listen, God's going to judge us by our works. But it's, are you faithful? He's not going to say, well done, to people who led over a thousand. It's it's just going to be well done, good and faithful servant to, to whatever you've been called to. I just wonder what it would look like if we said, God, yes, here I am. Lord, I don't care if it's it's the back of the church, the front of the church, at work. I don't care where. They may never know my name, but I want them to know yours. God, restore. Maybe you're here this morning, and praise team, come on up. Maybe you're here this morning, and you totally understand that God's at work in your life. 
but the, the joy's just gone. The joy's not there. The peace isn't there. Can I, can I tell you, it only comes through him. It only comes through him. If you're looking for peace in anything else, it's not going to happen. If you're looking for joy in anything else, if you're praying, Lord, give me that spouse or give me that person or give me that individual, Lord, they're just not making me happy. You're looking to the wrong source. But Lord, restore my soul. Let's all stand this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we all come to you as your children this morning, Lord. And Father, there, there's a strong possibility that there's someone here who they've been away or, or they've not really asked you to be Lord of their life. Father, we do live in a culture that, that wants us to believe that anything is truth and we can do anything we want and it all just sort of balances out in the end. And Lord, your word tells us that you are the way. Your word tells us that if anyone believes in you, they will have eternal life. That you, oh God, created this earth and everything on it. And that you, oh God, know that we cannot make it without you. So Father, right now, if they're here this morning and have never received you, Lord, I pray that they do that. Just simply ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I want to start following you. If you've prayed that prayer, please let us know after the service because we want to pray continually with you and put materials in your hands. But Lord, we also come today and say, Lord, we need to be restored. Lord, for some, it may be as simple as rest. For some, it may be simple as redirection, Lord, and, and confirmation from others, Lord. It can happen in a myriad of ways, but Lord, what we do understand is got to come from you. So we look today at you, Lord, as our shepherd. But Lord, now, well over 2,000 years later, we realize you're the lion because you have overcome. And Lord, we come to you today, Father, praying that you would just fill us, Lord. But Lord, I pray that we also allow you to do the emptying. Get rid of the waste. Get rid of the stuff that what you begin to pour in today, Lord, brings joy, brings peace that only you can give, I pray, even in the midst of our enemies. Our cup runs over. In Jesus' name. We're going to pray again in just a moment, but I want us to worship with this song before we close. And then I want those who really desire a, a restored sense of what God is doing, for God to restore you. We're going to have a special prayer at the end of the service, but I, I want us just to worship with this song for just a moment. Can we do that? Let's worship.
This may seem a, lot, a little odd for some, but here's what I want us to do as we close in prayer. If you're standing here today and you're saying, John, I want, I want him to restore my soul. Whatever that means in that process for you, would you just make your way down and just stand right here? Now, that's a big step of faith, but I want you to come. Alvin, I'm glad you came because I was calling you. Just come, praise the Lord. And I, anyone else, because I, I, then I want the rest of us just to stretch your hands forward this way or just let's pray for them. Because listen, you may not even have come down today. This is huge faith. But God is a God that restores. He puts things back together. And sometimes, listen, sometimes when he's putting things back together, it doesn't mean that they were broken all to pieces, but when he starts moving pieces, things start feeling broken. When he starts moving things around, things can feel detached and broken. That's okay. It's not what God is doing to you, it's what he's doing for you and through you. Amen. Let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I know my brother's heart. Lord, I know, God, that only you really know what this family's going through right now in the name of Jesus, but I pray that you touch my brother. Lord, I know his heart for you has gone um, in so many directions, Father, because our emotions do, but God, I pray that you touch his son right now. I pray that you touch his family right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, whatever the cries for restoration are, Lord, I pray that you just touch them right now as they have come forward by faith. 
Lord, I pray that you just do that work. And Lord, I pray that we as a family come around them, Lord, and embrace them. And, and Lord, show ourselves, Lord, to be family to them, Lord, so you can show yourself mighty through us. Lord, I pray that you touch us. Lord, every aspect of what you were doing in this church in our lives. Lord, even this church, Lord, as we, as we close this service today, it's not about an ending here. It's about a beginning in us. Lord, just let it flow. Who can stop you, Lord? <laughs> Who can stop the Lord Almighty? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I just want to I just want to speak to you three specifically, and I just want to remind you, who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord? Things may not always happen like we think they are and think they should, but God's doing something, I promise you. And to those here, listen, please understand, um, God's up to something different. And if you're used to something that was happening in 2019, it's the same God. But expect difference. Expect growth. Expect what God is doing. Because I promise you, God's up to some unique things in our lives. And I want us to embrace them and grow. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray in this supernatural moment that this become a very natural thing for your church to experience. Your supernatural power. And Lord, we leave here today not because we are supernatural, but the God in us is. And I pray, Lord, that whether it's home or a restaurant or just visiting with friends or tonight at Grace Group, Lord, I just pray that you be magnified, be glorified. Let yourself or let your spirit move in us and be made known in us and through us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.